Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Happy President's Day, everyone. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day, long weekend for everyone. Not a long weekend for us. We're here working here on the Peristyle Podcast. We love talking to you about USC football like we do each and every week. And today we got Coach Harvey Hyde going to join us to answer some questions, talk about what's going on with the USC Trojan football team as we go into the offseason and get a little closer to USC spring football. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com if you have any questions or comments for us here on the show podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address and if you'd rather call or text us you can do that to 424-254-9141 is the number and if you have an apple podcasting app we really would appreciate a subscribing to the Peristyle podcast leaving us a five-star rating any kind of review feedback suggestions comments you have for the show it does help us out but leave us those five stars it helps us to grow the show, especially during the offseason as we ramp up what should be an interesting 2021 football season where hope is going to be somewhat normal. And But somewhat normally, we always want to talk to the coach, Harvey Hyde. No matter what time of year and what's going on, we want to talk to him about USA Trojan football. He's on the line right now. Coach, how you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great. And thank you very much for uh, having me. And yeah, like we always say, football never goes away. There's always some other part going on. It's football year-round. That's why I love being uh, on this podcast with you, but there's always something new or something to talk about if you're a great football fan. And uh, always you want to know what's going on as far as our opinion. We try to do that for everybody out there. We certainly do. And uh, we got a lot of questions that have come in today. We took uh, last week off so um, with with the coach, so we're going to get to some of those questions that people had sent in uh, just one topic, I guess we could jump into first coach. And we're starting to see Robert Steiner, the new strength and conditioning coach for USC, got a whole new strength staff. We're st- seeing some short social media videos about the team, what they're doing to work out and things like that. And the theme I've kind of, you know, they have like a mantra or whatever, and they've, they've different ones over the years. You probably had some when you were head coach coach, but this one, uh, the latest one I saw was tough, disciplined, and united. And I talked to uh, Shotgun a little bit about it on our um, Tunnel Vision show. And he's like, you know, it's like you get these just these sayings. And is it a lot of talk? Is it real? Um, you know, is it really going to, is, is the program going to be like that? But if you look at the first two, I mean, you want to see toughness from this program. They're, they've been accused of maybe not practicing all that hard. So, if you're going to take them at their word, that's probably a positive sign. Disciplined as well. There's been a lot of discipline problems with penalties and things like that. So, you know, and, and United definitely being on the same page. I think for the most part, it seems like the the players and coaches have been on the same page. They've backed Clay Helton, even though maybe the fan base doesn't all the time. I, the United part I can see is has been fairly consistent. The tough and the disciplined, maybe not as much. But any thoughts on the... Uh, the new motto or whatever you want to say, coach, that we're seeing on social media from the USC strength program. Well, I tell you, you've heard me say this all along, and uh, I say it every week when we talk about the strength and conditioning program. Those guys in there see the players longer and more 
uh, hourly than any other position or coach does. Uh, they work uh, nine months a year with them, and during the season, a couple days a week, as far as working with their strength and conditioning and uh, maintaining their strength during the season. So they pre- uh, prevent injuries and all of the above or work soreness out. So it's very important that uh, the kids look forward to going in there, and it's also great to have a positive attitude in there, and I think it's also very important. I know we have a new strength and uh, conditioning coach at USC, but I think also the philosophy of what's being used in the strength and conditioning program comes from the clay is approved by Coach Clay Helton as far as what he wants, as far as what he needs, and what he thinks that uh, his team needs as far as becoming a better football team. Now I know, and I have a feeling that uh, the strength and conditioning coach was hired uh, by obviously Mike Bone, but I think I hope Clay Helton had a lot to say about you know, the uh, coaches working with the uh, the players and what he expects out of them and the discipline portion of it, what they wear as far as a, a uniform, how they act, uh, when they miss uh, practices, what happens, uh, or work, uh, work weight, you know, workouts, all these different things he's got to meet with the strength and conditioning coach and make sure everyone's on the same page. And also he has to make sure that he goes in there and he also has to make sure all the assistant coaches go in there to show their support to these new coaches. But remember, they didn't keep anybody off of the old staff. So these guys are just learning people now and, and find out who they are and the name recognitions and so on. So I think it's very important that before you spank somebody, you've got to let somebody know that you love them and care about them. So you've got to have somebody there to make sure that these players understand that because they don't really know their staff. They don't really know who they are. And uh, a lot of times these coaches don't know who they are either. So it's very, very important that when you bring in a complete new staff like this, that they establish themselves by letting these kids know how important it is to them that they care about them. And I think it all starts with a staff meeting and also a team meeting with Coach Clay Helton before the off-season starts, where he explains that this is just another one of my fingers on my hand, and uh, I'm in charge of it, I'm there, and I'm with you all the time, and we got to get better in these areas, so please follow them, and I'll make sure that we do everything that's in your best interest. I think that's what you got to do, and then you got to get the progress going, you got to make sure you stay on top of it, and you got to make kids look forward to going in there, and you're right, Ryan. When you say the discipline starts here, that's where it starts. It starts when you start a new season in the spring conditioning program or fall conditioning program. But what you start now with the new players that are there there is what's going to carry on for the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get to see uh, some more of what's going on. Uh, with the strength and conditioning program, we'll let you know if you know anything, any more interviews we can do. We can do some interviews with players and stuff, but actually get to see some of this or watch some videos or anything. It'd be nice to kind of see how these players are developing and really what the differences are between this strength staff and what we saw from Aaron Ospis and his his staff. So, like you said, Coach, it's a very it's a whole new strength staff. So, I think they're doing a lot of new different things. Uh, we'll see how well that works out. I mean. It's, uh, you know, there's a the whole bunch of different ways you can train your athletes. And it seems like every strength coach, coach has a, has their own philosophy, right? And it could be completely different and they might get to the same place just from a, a different route. But uh, it seems like whoever your strength coach is probably has a little bit different way of doing things than anyone else does. 
You're exactly right. And also, it's got to be the type of strength program where the kids see they're getting something out of it, improvement. And you've got to be hard on them, and you've got to let them know that nothing comes easy. And you've got to set the scale or set the goals for them and, and let them know that, uh, you know, winning, everybody's trying to win. So it's not easy to win, but we have to go in there and outwork people, be stronger than these people, be better conditioned, be a better team, as he said, united, and uh, get through it. Because uh, your toughness is made really in the off season of what can you take it, can you do it, will you break from this, uh, can you get one more rep, uh, is that type of challenge important to you? All of the above, and I think that you know, these are the things you look forward to as far as evaluating a new program. And, you know, what they've done is a lot of change over last year and this year. The, You know, last year was the whole defensive staff. This year it's a lot of the offensive staff. Now it's a lot of the strength conditioning coaches. There's a lot of changes going on at USC. Yeah, there was, uh, there was supposed to be like that wholesale Notre Dame kind of change. Uh, was it three years ago? And Sort of fell short of that, and then last year was the wholesale kind of defensive change, and then this year, uh, strengthens you know conditioning staff again, offensive line again, um, you know new tight ends coach. So yeah, they've significant changes in the staff uh, over the last three years, but uh, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, Paul from Central Virginia wrote in, coach, about the medical staff. He says. Uh, I read the following from an article that Gerard Martinez posted on uscfootball.com. It said Jarvis Jones, who suffered a neck injury as a freshman, was deemed ineligible by the Trojan medical staff and transferred to Georgia as a sophomore, uh, where Jones was cleared to play by the Bulldogs medical staff. He became an All-American and a first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This brings up a frustration that I've had uh, of good players whom the medical staff either keep out of games or even entire seasons until they finally get trust frustrated and transfer. Palier Naoteote is the most recent, but Daniel Matarbebe also comes to mind, going on to have a great season at Illinois, not to mention Manir McLean, who has possibly returned, but who has, along with his family, publicly questioned the medical staff's assessment that kept him on the sidelines. I'm sure that no one would want a player uh, to play when they have a serious injury, but it seems that the USC medical staff is overly cautious. Your thoughts, Paul from Central Virginia. Well, you always want to make uh, sure that what you do, as far as have the, you always have the player in the best interest. Now, I can't challenge the medical staff because I don't really know. But I remember the Jones kid; he had a heart situation. I thought a heart murmur some type of heart situation where they wouldn't approve him. And he went down to Georgia and uh, the doctors down there approved him. So, you know, a different philosophy, different medical staff and whatever. And uh, sometimes you can be too cautious and uh, the kids know that, but yet you have the best interest of the, of the kids in, in your mind. You know, I, I would never put a kid in the game if I thought it would injure him. Never would I play a kid if I thought it was going to, hurt him for life or destroy his life or cost him his life or cost him a knee that he can never uh, have again or any of that stuff. I don't think any coach would do that. Uh, how cautious they are, I really don't know. And I really can't comment on this as much as I'd like to answer your questions. But I know kids want to play, okay? And kids want to find a way to play. And sometimes if you don't get cleared by the school that you're at, then you're going to find a way to play. Because these kids grew up playing and they feel like there's nothing wrong with them. When you're young, you know, you really don't think about uh, life as far as uh, what happens uh, afterwards. So 
uh, they're going to find out. They'll get cleared somewhere, and uh, and that's what happens. But uh, me to comment on these players, I can't do that intelligently because I really don't know. It's tough when you're talking about uh, medical situations for sure. For Jarvis Jones, it was actually a neck injury. Uh, Frankie Telfort was the linebacker who had the heart problem. Um, but yeah, so, but he was cleared and, you know, became a first round draft pick. So obviously he seemed like he was okay. We've definitely seen that, uh, Paul, there've been some issues there, uh, with the USC and, but not being medical experts, it's really hard. Like coach says, it's just really hard to comment on that. But, um, you know, when you see someone like that, and I guess you could even look at it as the same thing as the, the pandemic, right? Where. The SEC, I think, ended up playing 69 of 71 of the games that they had scheduled. So you could say, I mean, you could still argue, like, you should never have played football. But the SEC did, and it seemed like it, things worked out okay. They played the majority of the games. It, they, I don't feel like anyone was hospitalized. Or, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear of that or anything. But you could still make an argument, you know, that Jarvis Jones went on and became a first-round draft pick. There could still be people at USC saying, well, he shouldn't have been playing because there was a risk of this or that, even though he went on and became an All-American and and played in the NFL. So you could still make the argument, even though USC didn't allow him to play, there's still people that could have said that that was the right call. Um, and he was very lucky that he didn't get hurt. So it's it, they're, they're very complicated situations and above our pay grade as far as like you know expertise in the medical world. But there has been, I mean, there's, I get what you're saying, Paul, because we've seen this come up a number of times uh, with USC. So I don't know. Maybe we can try to get a doctor on or sometime, you know, and, and kind of talk about this a little bit because there's, you know, we're not experts in that field for sure. Um, we got Jack from New Jersey, coach. He's talking about uh, USC football 2021 forecast. The weather forecast for this week in New Jersey looks very bleak with the potential for snow six out of the next eight days possibly several feet of accumulation. I'm looking at the USC 2021 schedule and wonder whether or not the forecast is bleak for the Trojans. If John McKay, John Robinson, or Pete Carroll was the head coach, Trojan fans would be beaming with optimism and anticipation looking forward to 2021. No Oregon, no Washington, and BYU, UCLA, Stanford, Utah, and Oregon State all at home. The scheduling gods are once again smiling on Clay Helton. Anything less than an 11-1 season, with a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl win or Final Four appearance should be considered a failure. And a loss to San Jose State should be an immediate fireable offense. And don't say that can't happen because I still cringe at the memory of USC losing to Memphis State to open the 1991 season. Personally, I'm hopeful based on what Mike Bone has accomplished with the coaching staff this offseason and recruiting is back on track. Uh, but as long as Clay Helton is the head coach, all bets are off. Looking forward to your comments. Jack from New Jersey. Well, Jack, uh, I tell you what, everybody'd like to go twelve and zero uh, every year and go on to, to the Rose Bowl or win a national championship if you can. But everybody's trying to win, so it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, you would think a traditional school like USC would have an advantage over the others, and I certainly think they do with who they are and what they stand for. I think they have uh, the uh, tradition to win national championships. I have, think they have uh, the players to win uh, currently right now, the Pac-12 championship. I'm not going as far as to saying the national championship, but they they have uh, improved their program and uh, play in a conference right now that I don't think is real strong. Uh, I think that they have the potential of, of, of winning the Pac-12. I think the, 
They have their challenges every week as far as being ready to play. Every team has that. BYU had a good year last year, but BYU should not be able to beat USC. Uh, San Jose State, uh, if they can't beat San Jose State by 35 points, I would be disappointed. Two different complete programs. I mean, one that has it all and ones that are just uh, hanging on, and San Jose State is a team that's hanging on. Other state schools in the state of California have dropped football, except for Fresno State and San Jose State. So in San Diego State, excuse me. So, you know, and then Notre Dame, that's a war. That's a war, and it's a great war. And uh, uh, and uh, that, that game every year uh, more or less uh, determines who you are and how good you are. UCLA is a team that's uh, improved, uh, should be better next year, but should they beat USC? I don't think so. And the other teams on the schedule, you know, they can beat them all. Arizona State's going to be a challenge. I think they're really well coached, and they have great players. I think Stanford's down. I think Cal is much better. Arizona's got a ways to go. Oregon is going to be uh, a real battle, uh, but I think that they're in a position to beat Oregon. Uh, I don't know what other – oh, Utah. Utah is always well coached, very physical type of football team. Colorado. I think that was a surprise year last year. I don't expect them to be that good this year. So, you know, I, I think that uh, what you're saying is, is a possible dream, a possible thing to come true. But, you know, everybody's trying to win. So you got to be ready to play every week. You can't make mistakes. You can't beat yourself. And as we said earlier, you've got to be disciplined, focused. And remember that everybody's trying to beat the Trojans. The highest price ticket on every Home game of your opponent is USC. That's where people like to come out and watch them play. So, uh, you know, they're going to have some challenges, but I certainly feel they could do what you just said uh, and should be able to, you know, why why would you go into a season thinking that you can't if you do everything right? I mean, they got the starting quarterback back. They got players coming back. They got a great roster. They had a great recruiting year. Uh, why not think that you can accomplish those goals? Yeah, good points, Coach. And uh, it is interesting what Jack says. If it was a head coach that you were going to rally behind, like Pete Carroll, John McKay or something, you would be very bullish about this 2021 season because of the schedule. And, you know, people are just kind of a little wary just thinking that the team was going to underperform because that's typically what they've done every year. The Pac-12 in general brings a lot of talent back. Uh, there is a lot of production returning from the Pac-12, but, you know, you didn't get to see it as much because, you know, a team like Washington only played four games. They were three and one. Uh, Oregon, they had to rebuild their offensive line and, you know, replace Justin Herbert in 2020. Tyler Shuck was the most efficient quarterback in the Pac-12. He's transferring out of the program now. Uh, do they go with like an Anthony Brown, who USC fans saw in the Pac-12 championship game? Much more of a mobile quarterback. There's some uncertainty, I think, up in the rest of the Pac-12, even with the kind of production coming back. So I agree, Jack. Like, this is a team that should go 11-1. They should win the Pac-12. And I said it was a failure this year, 20, well, in 2020, uh, when they didn't win the Pac-12. I would say the same thing. If they don't win the Pac-12 in 2021, another failure, in my opinion. Um, I'm sorry. Did, if you, you know, want Ryan, I, wa I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to say the same thing. And they can't win football games like they won football games this year. People aren't going to be satisfied with these last-second wins. They could be able to 
line up, be physical, and this is one thing people complain about, how physical are they in running the football, dominating the football game, getting someone to surrender, come out in the second half and just drive somebody into the ground. Are we going to see that? And I think that's what everybody's been looking for, toughness from a Clay Helton team. Yeah. We got a couple of text messages from Eddie uh, from Orange County. He's a modern-day fan and alumni. He's He says, what if USC makes a playoff run? He said layoff run, but I assume he means playoff run. Uh, and pulls a Notre Dame and gets blown out in round one. Would SC fans be happy or hate it because Clay would get a 15-year extension? Uh, Clay would not get a 15-year extension, uh, Eddie. But um, I think... I think fans would be somewhat happy to make the playoffs. And, you know, if you get blown out by like Alabama or something, you're like, all right, well, it's a step in the right direction. I don't know. What, what do you think, coach, if, if they made a run, made the playoffs, but then got blown out in the first round? Well, I think it'd be great if they could make the playoffs. I really do. That means they've really certainly proven that they're one of the top four teams in the country. But there are some people that just will not be happy until there's a change at the head football coaching position. That's just the way it is. There's just some people that believe that. There's some people that said, I'm not going back until that happens. And there's just somebody, uh, some people that are just that stubborn to, to see if that'll happen. Uh, they, I think it'd be very tough for people to give him the credit as far as for the success of the team at USC. They'll give everybody else the credit before they would give it to Clay Elton. I don't think that's right, but I think that's the way it'll be read or not written, but assumed because the coaching changes and, uh, you know, right now they give so much uh, room to the assistant coaches to be interviewed and talk and about the recruiting and how good they are and how, the, you know, I'm going to be able to do this and do that. And we're going to run the football. I don't know. I don't know if, if uh, McGuire has had a chance to talk to the offensive coordinator yet, the, the things he was saying uh, are some of the things that uh, Graham Harrell has said, no, they don't do. So i just waiting to see exactly what happens. And, of course, there is that group, like I said earlier, that will never be happy. And then, again, winning solves everything, but will he certainly get the credit that he deserves if they go to a playoff game? I don't think so. Yeah. And then we, he also wants to know, uh, what do we have to do to see Brew McCoy play, playing outside linebacker? Could you imagine Brew, uh, Drake Jackson, Corey Foreman, and Davis all blitzing the quarterback at once. Sounds like uh, an OP uh, glitch play. What do you think about well, Bill McCoy playing uh, some outside linebacker coach? Well, that uh, that sort of, uh, I'm troubled with that. What I mean by that, I don't know if he was recruited there for that purpose. He would have to want to do that and, and ask to do that. I don't think you could move him over there because uh, he's not good enough to play receiver, because I think he is. I think he's a great player. So that would have to be something he would decide to do because it's certainly a change of what he's been doing to go to a defensive end. Because one of the things are outside linebackers I've been talking about as far as with the SC defenses over the last several years is they really don't uh, play uh, containment. They really don't uh, get after the outside uh, rush real good, and uh, they really don't play option well. Or, you know, the, the options or bootlegs or things to the outside of their defense. So uh, I don't know. I can't say if that's going to happen or not happen. But I've never seen him really play a linebacker, so it's hard for me to comment on that. 
But uh, if he's a great athlete, he can play that. People have done that before. People have gone from offense to defense and become great players. But there's got to be a need. And when you move a player that's a great offensive player to defense, then you're more or less committed to him that he's going to play. You're not going to move him over there and then he's going to watch. He isn't going to buy that at all, okay? Yeah. So if you if you tell him he's going to the defensive side of the football, you better convince yourself that you've seen enough or know enough that he's going to play. Otherwise, you're in, uh, you're sort of uh, uh, misled him. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a? We got some more questions. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, answer the rest. Back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We got a question from Don about 2024. Since most positive news for USC is future developments, mainly recruiting, let's jump ahead to 2024. Seems a little aggressive. Okay. Helton will retire after the 2023 season as one of the most beloved coaches by, quote, USC, ranking high on the list for career wins. USC names Dante Williams as their head coach. Again, recruiting is the most important aspect of USC football. 2024 but we the start will be the start of USC coming back to football power. Regards, Don. I don't know about this, Don, but I don't know. Any thoughts there, Coach? Well, you know, that's pretty uh... – uh, far-fetched as far as now deciding uh, who's going to be the head football coach in 2024. Uh, right now, Dante uh, is a young, great recruiter. He's got a lot of enthusiasm, believes in what he does and so on to be a head football coach at USC. And for me to say that he would be the next coach at USC, I, I can't make that commitment or even comment on that. I mean, I don't know right currently right now, uh, looking at the staff and the performance of the staff and the team over the last couple of years on the way they've won and performed, uh, I don't know if there is a head football coach uh, at the level of what I respect USC's football program as. I have to watch that and see the development and see how they play. You just can't go on a one-year basis and win three or four games by in the last seconds of the football game, lose a Pac-12 championship game, and all of a sudden we've got all these head coaches that are on USC staff, especially maybe at another school or a smaller school. But, hey, USC should be like a Texas. USC should be like an Ohio State. USC should be like an Alabama. So for me to say an assistant coach on their staff right now, and I don't even know these guys, okay? That's why I'm just talking in generalities. For me to be satisfied for that right now, 
I can't say that. And Don, I probably guarantee you that Clay Helton wouldn't be retiring after the 2023 football season. Um, if he lasted that long, he would be have more years on his contract. Uh, if not, he's probably not the coach uh, sometime before that. So I don't think retiring after his current contract is something that's going to be in the cards. But uh, thanks, Don, for your, your email there. We have a question from Joan. Um, so hi, Ryan and Coach. Uh, even in my inimitable apathy growing over USC football right now, I congratulate them on their second place finish behind Oregon. Really? In this recruiting cycle. Other things are certainly at play uh, with this finish, I'm sure, until name, image, and likeness are allowed. But USC finishing anything but number one in the Pac-12 is disappointing. My apathy is created by all the turnover and hiring on the staff, except for the number one position, the head coach. I'm using logic to deduce that Clay Helton is impotent on the staff. He is only retained because of his exorbitant, exorbitant buyout. So my question is this. Who runs the team? Who makes the rules? Who sets the culture? Without these key elements, the late John Wooden has widely, has widely, I'm sorry, wisely told us, you don't win championships, let alone games. So what will Mike Bone do this year to make this work? It didn't work well last year, and we had an easy schedule and then got blown out on our home field by a 3-2 and two Oregon team. An epic embarrassment with the ugly green and yellow confetti raining down onto the Coliseum field. I am always rooting for the competitive young men who take the field in Cardinal and Gold every week, but oh so tired of Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna will not get rid rid the program, will not rid the program of a very bad man named Clay Helton. And she puts in parentheses, and I'm entitled to my opinion that Helton is a bad man. That's from Joan. Thanks, Joan, for the email. What do you think, Coach? Well, Joan, I don't think he's a bad man. I think you've got the wrong term then when you call him a bad man, but he's not a bad man or a bad person. And uh, I'll give you uh, a thought. I know he's given 100% to do his very best to do what you people or we all want done at USC as far as bringing USC a national championship or close to one as often or every year as you can. I think uh, that Mike Bone has tried to uh, assist him as far as allowing him to coach, uh, hire these different coaches and sees the weakness in some areas and and uh, is trying to keep Clay Helton. I really believe that. I think it might even be by the orders of the president. Uh, as far as uh, she, I know, likes uh, Coach Clay Helton, like a lot of people do as an individual. And I think he's trying to build around that to give him the structures that's necessary, this, uh, the steel and the concrete, to try to build that program. And uh, I think this is something they're working hard to do. And if it doesn't come about, then it just leaves one conclusion. Then you have to make a change. But you've done everything possible from the offensive coordinator to the defensive coordinator to the strength uh, coaches to uh, the front office personnel that they're bringing in all these gurus that can recruit everybody in the country. To me, it just seems like a lot of times we're just hiring people that got fired at other staffs or didn't uh, make it when other coaches came in. So myself, I, I think that's great as far as these guys doing all of that, but these guys just got somebody else fired. So, you know, I, I'm for these guys winning. But again, you've got to have leadership as far as from the athletic director and the athletic director support the head football coach, not making the decisions of what he needs, 
but have a football coach can make those decisions to bring you the people that can bring you the championships and so on along the way. And I think right now uh, the University of Southern California is too top-heavy with Texas staff members and Texas people. I think that, uh, you know, the more you get in one area, the less loyalty you have as a head football coach because you never hire everybody from one staff because they've known each other longer than they've known you. I think you have to have a variation of people from everywhere. And uh, I'm very concerned on that. Not that they're not good people and not that they can't win, but I think you really do stretch your luck when you have too many people who are from the same place and they know more about what they want to do and what they've done than you want to tell them to do. Yeah. All right, Coach, let's move on. We got Steve from Class of 1980. He had a question for you. He said, on a recent podcast, I was shocked at an answer that Keely York, Chris Trevino, and Shotgun Spratling had in response to a listener's question. I think this was on the Family Feud podcast, if I'm not mistaken. So the question is, if USC and Alabama changed coaching staffs last season, who do you think would have won last year's game had it been played? They all responded, that USC would have won, meaning that if Nick Saban and his staff came over to USC, took their players, Clay Elton and his staff had Alabama's players, they all felt that USC would win. The difference between the two teams was enormous. Bama would likely have beaten USC by 25 or more points. Is it possible for a head coach to make that big of a difference? Uh, Steve, class of 1980. Well, not in one year because uh, you have a philosophy to bring in and uh, you have great players there. And if they were to go in and change the offense and change the defense and all of that, that have won so many championship games with those great players, then uh, I don't know uh, what you do with those guys. I really don't know. But uh, I think they would come in and they'd have done, they'd evaluated the personnel and they'd have put in something uh, that, uh, that uh, was probably more fitting as far as a balanced football team. I think they would have be a tougher football team. I would think that uh, uh, they would demonstrate that they can do it all from the running game to the play-action pass game to it all. Look what they did with Jones and how they made him. Now, he's not a mobile quarterback, but he's going to be a first-round draft pick somewhere. But they protected him with a great running game and bootleg action and all the things that are necessary to uh, make him a great player. They play great defense. And uh, I think they're they're sound everywhere they are. I mean, they they win, but they have great players, and their coaches are experienced coaches to get head coaching jobs. So I don't think it had made that much of a difference the first year. I think that they would have won more games, and they'd have been more organized, and they'd have been more proficient as far as at USC. But I don't know if USC staff would have gone down to Alabama and won a national championship either. But it's not easy to win national championship and if they had taken the same philosophy down there that they're doing now at USC I would definitely say no they would not win a national championship they might not even have won the Southeastern Conference yeah and this is a tough one for me Steve I tend to agree with what Keeley Chris and Shotgun were saying um, it just depends on how much time Nick Saban and his staff would have had with USC say it's like the beginning of 2020, like January or whatever, just, you know, like, or you know, right after signing day and Nick Saban's staff took, took over. And then you sent Clay Elton and his staff to take over the Alabama program. So they have a whole year to kind of get ready. They got to go through the spring football. So it's not going to be 
Nick Saban's spring football in Alabama. It will be Clay Helton's spring football in Alabama. Um, yes, better players for sure. But if I had a whole year kind of lead up to the game or a whole season, I think I'm taking Nick Saban. He would turn the, – the amount of talent USC had was enough that he could turn that – he would win the Pac-12 for sure, like not even a, a question, and then, you know, have a good chance of beating his old team. Uh, but if you're just like swap on the day of the game and, you know, me or anybody could go out there and just tell Alabama to go out and just play, <laughs> you know, because just do everything Nick Saban said um, – you know, I wouldn't buy that, but if if it was like a whole year to prep uh, with the same roster, I, I'm taking Saban. I don't know what you think, Coach. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I, I like Saban a lot, and I like, uh, you know, what he does. And uh, he's a heck of a coach, and uh, it's his way. He's in charge of every single thing on the football team and program and equipment room everywhere. It's his team and his program, and they're going to do it my way or the highway. And I think when you come in, you got so much respect for him as a coach and a player and an athletic director that you're going to stay out of his way. As a player, you're never going to question anything. And if he says these are the rules and you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that, I think as a player, you're going to get the understanding right from the beginning that you're not going to do it. That's just the way it is. And I don't know if uh, Coach Helt could take that same thing to Alabama and carry that same type of attitude of a Nick Saban, but he wouldn't go in there with the same type of respect that Nick Saban has there at Alabama with those players. So there's so many different things. Uh, but I, I, I'll agree with you, Ryan. He would come in and win the Pac-12. I'm going to tell you that if he had that much time with uh, USC's players. But he'd have them in a position where they could win and they could be successful. They'd be co a complete football team. So I agree with that. There's no question as far as what Coach Clay Helton and his staff would do at Alabama. Doing what I've seen at USC, I don't like I mentioned a moment ago, I don't think they'd have won the Southeastern Conference. So I think um, part of this is not just like, well, you have this many players. You have to manage a roster that's an elite roster like what Alabama has, where there's going to be five, multiple five-star guys sitting on the bench. Um, that takes – to massage all those egos, that takes something too. And you know what was Phil Jackson, you know, really good at? I mean, he was good with superstar players. We've seen other coaches have superstar players in the NBA and not be able to handle them. Um, I think Nick Saban could come in and really work with USC's roster. There's enough five star, four you know, high four star talent that he could build it into a championship type of program. Uh, I feel like I believe that. I don't know how Clayton would handle having all this talent that you, there's guys that aren't going to play. There's guys that are going to be transferring out and things like that. So there's challenges there too. Obviously Nick Saban's proven he can do that. He does that year after year and they just signed the best recruited class in history in February. So uh, we got one last one for you, coach. This is from Steve uh, on Urban Meyer and the Chris Doyle hire. So if, you don't know Urban Meyer is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he hired former Iowa strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle to run his strength and conditioning program. And there's a lot of back backlash because there was multiple players that came out uh, with accusations about Chris Doyle, uh, racist behavior, comments, and things like that. He also had a lot of people that were defending him, and you know, a lot of NFL guys came back to Iowa to just work out with him. So there's I, there's definitely things on both sides. I don't know a ton about it, but he's a controversial figure for sure. And then 
Uh, Steve wrote in, he gave this quote, Chris Doyle came to us this evening to submit his resignation and we have accepted. That's what Urban Meyer said in a statement to uh, by his team. Chris did not want to be a distraction to what we are building in Jacksonville. We are responsible for all aspects of our program and in retrospect should have given greater consideration to how his appointment may have affected all involved. We wish him the best as he moves forward uh, in his care. Uh, yeah. And uh, as he moves forward and then Steve says, maybe Pete Carroll, I'm sorry, maybe Carol Fult and Mike Bone knew and had good reasons for not wanting to hire Urban Meyer. This could have been worse than Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan as athletic directors. Uh, that's from Steve. So any any thoughts there on that, Coach? Well, I think you have to be conscious of uh, what you do as far as putting your staff together, and you have to be very smart, and you certainly don't want to bring uh, any attention to your staff that's negative. And uh, right now, I think uh, in the NFL, he probably didn't, know if that would make a difference or not and and it, it had it definitely did uh, I don't think he'd have been able to hire him at USC I just don't believe that uh, that could happen but then again uh, you know I don't know Urban Meyer well and I don't know uh, the owner he probably had talked to the owner the general manager and they were aware of it and uh, somehow someone gave the approval to do that but obviously it backfired and uh he uh, he's gone, and uh, and and I do think it would have been a distraction. I think it was a distraction from the beginning, and it gets away from what you're really trying to do as far as with your football program. So uh, I don't know the circumstances under the firing at Iowa for him or any of that type of stuff. So I can't comment on any of that. But uh, I don't know if the, if Carl Carol Fault knew that or Michael Bone knew that. I don't think they can predict any of that. But uh, I hate to see these type of things uh, happen. Yeah, this is a weird one because, I mean, can you name an NFL like strength coach? I mean, you're this is working with, you know, professional men. Um, it's just different than in college. Your strength staff is like who's with your players like all the time because you're just not allowed to by NCAA rules. It's just not the same in the NFL. It, it was sort of like a self-inflicted wound coach that you just didn't need to take. Like sometimes you're taking a chance and you're like, this guy, you know, I, I really need this guy. There's not like, I don't believe there was a clear connection between Chris Doyle and Urban Meyer. It was sort of just like, uh, I'm going to do it because I'll show you I can do whatever I want. And then it kind of backfired. So I, this one didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and Urban Meyer's done that over the years with some hires or backing some guys that you could easily have backed away from. Everyone would have given you a pass and you just kind of move on. And he didn't. And then now you're bringing ne this negative attention on yourself, obviously hiring Chris Doyle. They're literally almost hiring anyone in the world to be your strength coach. Wouldn't have caused the problems that like you picked the one guy that everyone would flip out on. Um, and so it just seems like it was an unnecessary risk, I guess, but that's, I mean, when you got a coach that's a winner like Urban Meyer, they do things a certain way. And I'm really going to be curious to see how he does things uh, in Jacksonville, just on the field. It's going to be tough when you're used to winning at the clip that you're winning, where like one loss a year could cause you to have a nervous breakdown. You know, you have a decent year and it, you're like nine and seven. Like there's a lot of losses in the NFL for the best coaches, you know, 
the elite coaches lose a bunch of games. So I, I don't know how Urban Meyer is going to take that because there's going to be losses. Even if he does an amazing job, they're going to lose a bunch of games, you know? So that's tough, coach. But yeah, this one was a head scratcher. I'm just like, you, so easy to avoid. Like if you just need someone, a good friend over your shoulder, just saying like, hey, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't do that, Urban. Don't, don't do that. We don't need this hassle. And you saw, you're just nipping the bud right there. He didn't do it. Um, it took a little while, but now, you know, now he's gone. So we'll see what happens there. But just one of those things where you're not starting off on the best of footing, I guess, when you try to make a hire like that. No, I agree with you. I think that uh, he should have left that alone and moved on and put his staff together and uh, and continue with what he has to do uh, as far as rebuilding Jacksonville. And uh, now this just is another thing that uh, we're talking about now that we shouldn't have to be talking about. Yeah. And uh, as far as like, we don't know if Mike Bone would want to hire him or not. There's definitely been a lot of talk that Carol Fult wouldn't want to bring someone like that in. Um, we didn't know if he would want to get back into coaching. He does. He's he's back in coaching. We don't know if he would be wanting to be back in college coaching. So we never know that. And if he would be interested in USC. So that's now water under the bridge. He's in the NFL. And uh, USC is going forward with Clay Helton. All right. Well, thanks, Steve, for that one. And uh, thanks, Coach, for uh, hanging in there and answering all the questions. A lot of good stuff from the, the listeners today. But uh, great talking to you again, Coach. And we hope to talk to you again real soon. Ryan, again, I appreciate it uh, being a part of the podcast. I appreciate all the questions you guys send in. And uh, as we say, it's just our opinion. And uh, we want you to be safe out there. Take care of yourself. And uh, buckle up, okay? All right. Thanks, Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.